What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Exceeding Wild Black. Y'all, today's episode is amazing. I have the one, the only, Chris James. Um, I went to his event, maybe, I want to say it was like a month ago, and it was amazing. It was about healing. Um, also, him promoting his book about healing and the things that um, he went through and just his story. Y'all, it was amazing, and I'm so excited to have him here with you to share his story, to get y'all to understand that healing is really important. You know, we all need it. We all are working towards it. So I'm just going to hop right into this interview and welcome Chris James. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, Well-rested. At least one of them is because I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Hey, well, you need to go back to sleep and get you a nap. I know. I'm so tired, and I don't even know why it's been like that lately, but I'm exhausted. How did your event go last night? Uh, last. Oh, uh, that's probably why I'm just not waking up. Uh, but uh, it went really good. Uh, it was. It went really good. I don't like late events, but, you know, it was good. Well, well attended. People uh you know, people, you know, took a lot away from it, so I'm happy and with it was, that. It was like one of your um, healing workshops? No, nah, no, nah, it was actually a, a publishing workshop. Okay. Uh, uh, so teaching writers how to go about the writing and publishing process, uh, writing a book and publishing process. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it was called a Dope-Ass Writer's Workshop. Uh, oh. Put on by uh, Queen Sheba, uh, and yeah, so I I was the special guest for that too. Yeah, so well, that's cool, interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it was going to be cool too. Um, so as you know, I'm starting a project, or I am currently working on a project called Therapy in the Black Community, and I know you have gone to therapy, but you're also a spokesman for healing, you know, um, with your book, Get Off the Couch, and the workshops that you do around the world when it comes to people who need healing and who need to work on their internal selves. So I guess my first question to you is, when did you know that you needed to heal? Uh, shit, I, I'm, I'm, I've been knowing I needed to heal for a long time. Uh, with, uh, I guess, you know, really the night I found out my brothers were going to prison. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, again, I was 16 then. You know, and that was, you know, I remember that night vivid. Like, I remember, like, hearing the news. Uh, I remember go, uh, leaving my job at KFC Tahoe Bell in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and, uh, and going to the Arkansas River and sitting in my car for, like, hours. Like, not even exaggerating, hours and hours crying. And I remember that night knowing, like, yo, no, no human should be able to cry this long, this much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I knew then I needed to heal from something. I just didn't know exactly what it was. Uh you know, what that emotion was that that was uh, holding me hostage. Uh, 
but I knew I needed to get free from something, aka heal from something. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was there. That, it was at sixteen, you know, because I felt like it was at that point everything had caught up, like all the poverty we had lived in all our lives, you know, uh, you know, just all the trouble that we experienced as a re- as a result of the poverty, like real poverty, like you know, like. <laughs> I have a ball put water in a bucket for the next door neighbors, you know, uh, you know, uh, water hydrant or whatever, because we, you know, because the water was off, you know, uh, or having to, you know, warm up water in the microwave because the gas was off. So, we, you know, so like, so, you know, so, I, but I, I remember feeling like all of the poverty caught up with us mm-hmm. because it finally, it finally caught my brothers in a way where, the result was them being incarcerated for 25 and 40 years. Mm-hmm. I lost both of my brothers when I was 16 years old, you know, uh, and I was having a baby that same year. So she, I was like, what the hell? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was just real dark, you know, uh, in that season that I was doing it by myself, I believe, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so I knew then. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of funny because I feel like, we as humans, we don't necessarily healing isn't the, isn't the first thing that comes to mind. You know, when we go and we live our everyday lives, it's like kind of like it gets triggered in a sense. Like we're in a situation, or you know, something takes place in our lives, and we're just kind of like, "Damn, hold on, this is heavy, and it's heavier than what it should be." And then that's when we really just start unpacking. We think about everything that we've been through as an adolescent, you know, up until our adulthood, and it gets kind of it gets kind of dirty, you know what I'm saying? Like it gets yeah. kind of dirty, and we start to realize, wow, like we we really do have a lot of healing to do. So, did you ever have moments? Because I know I do um, have moments where it's just kind of like. I just want to sit back on the couch. <laughs> I just want to sit back on the couch because actually doing the work, actually, you know, taking time every day to heal, to understand your triggers, to get to know your boundaries and so forth and so on, that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of things out of you as well. Like you're just, you just feel kind of drained because I know people think that healing is just this, La la land, candies and rainbows type of thing, but healing hurts, you know. So, do you ever have moments where you no longer want to do the work, and what made you want to continue? Um. So, so number one, you know, it's a luxury, you know. Uh, you, you know, you are we. We are privileged people to mm-hmm. be able to even recognize that the heaviness is a result of a need to heal. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people live their entire lives and don't have the luxury, the privilege to realize that, that what the, that's what the heaviness is. So they don't begin or get through their healing process, you know, like me or, or like you or some of the people you might know. So it's a luxury to be able to, to see that. And to, and to heal, right? Um, and, and and as it relates to me, do I ever want to get back on the couch? You know, um, I don't want to, but 
the truth of the matter is healing is a process. Healing mm-hmm. is a journey. Healing ain't something that just happens. It's something that you're forever doing. Um, and, and in that, yeah, I, I I visit the couch, you know, every so often. Not, you know, every week, not every month, not, you know, uh, but sometimes I do visit, visit the couch, you know, you know, once a month, you know, for two months consecutively. You know, um, and, and what that looks like is, and I say that to say that although I've done a lot of work to heal from my depression, to heal from the grief of 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 losing my mother, I am still grieving. I'm still in relationship with said depression, mm-hmm. you know. So, so it ain't as heavy as it used to be, you know, because now I have the skills to lift and to uh, manage the depression, the grief in ways that I didn't before. And I always tell people, like, there's nothing wrong with arguing with your with your significant other or with somebody you love because yeah. that's, how, that's how you had, you know, sometimes those discussions of that conflict is heavy and it needs to be had to, to you know, so you guys can uh, – can can move past a thing or it stacks up. But if you have the skills to recover from an argument, right, then you have healthy communication skills. So mm-hmm. same thing with me in the healing or anybody in the healing process, but me in particular, I'm able to I today wasn't a, a great day. Ah now I'm in relationship now, you know, depression done pulled up on me. And I, I'm like, shit, well, I gotta, I'm got. i going to sit out on the couch with you today. And those are my days of being idle. Right. Those are my days of being, like, just, uh, like, uninspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I sit on the couch, but I have so much, so I have so many skills to be able to manage my mental health struggles that I don't ever stay on the couch long and where I am in my, in my life right now. Like, I'm off that couch, you know, at least, at least at the at the longest by the next day. I'm no longer on the couch for three, four days, you know, like I used to be. Right. So, but yeah. So you know, so I'm still there, you know. And, and I don't think anybody absolutely ever completely escapes uh, the, the grip of whatever their mental health struggles are. Again, I, I always feel like they do drive-bys on you, you know. And sometimes you duck the bullets. You know, but sometimes it hits you a little bit, but it just grazes you. You know, you ain't bleeding, but, you know, you feel a little bit of the pressure of it. So, yeah, that's where I am. So you do feel that you're never completely healed, that there's always just something that comes back, you know. But within that process of you healing, within that process of you, you know, getting on the couch and then getting back up and doing the work that it becomes easier in a sense. Yeah, definitely. It definitely becomes easy. You know, again, once you become comfortable with, with that thing, well, again, once you accept that you're in relationship with that mental health struggle, whatever that thing is, again, at, at, you know, at some point, again, it's just not heavy. It's just it's just another another thing, you know. Um, yeah, but, but again, yeah, for me, it's just not those things aren't as heavy anymore, you know, mm-hmm. but like, but but again, I'll forever be grieving my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, like right now, like to be honest, I'm, I'm still at the phase. Like this year was like uh, four four days ago. That was my first Thanksgiving without my mother. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the back porch with all my big cousins and my uncles, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm crying. And they like, what's wrong with your girl? What's wrong with your nephew? And, and one of my cousins, he's like, man, you already know what that is. You know, he whispered over there. And, uh, and you know, they all surrounded me. And I'm like, but it just, I, I wasn't expecting that. It just came out of nowhere. But that's, yeah. but that's where I am in the in the grieving process, you know. Um, so, but at but at some point, I know, you know, it gets easier because it, it has before. I've grieved before. I've grieved my, both of my grandmothers, and my uh, and my aunts. You know, like so. I, I know, I'm familiar with this. Like, oh man, it, at some point, it's it's happening uncontrollably. You, you don't know when it's going to happen. It just pops up. But at some point, you're more aware of. You know, you know when it's you can feel when it's coming, and how do you know what to do with it? Yeah, ooh, yeah, that is so true. Like I know that I have moments where, and sometimes, sometimes I don't even know where it comes from. You know, like I'll just have like something that just goes heavy, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess today is just one of my days. You know, so sometimes I don't even have like a location of it, like that whatever it is that's inside of me that is hurting. And I guess that's just another thing that I have to kind of work on and kind of internalize and ask myself, well, what is it? You know what I'm saying? What is this heavy thing? And that's probably what therapy could help for as well. And I know you actually went to therapy. or Are you still currently in therapy? Uh, yeah, I, well, I've gone, I went to therapy as was a therapy last well week before last well no last week actually mm-hmm. um, yeah so now I'm doing more couples therapy because I'm in a relationship you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole other challenge you know like yeah. for anybody who's in a relationship you know uh, so that's what you know where I am now um, you know uh, so I've kind of taken a, a not well I would say a pause from individual therapy because I actually. I'm, I'm looking for a new individual therapist, uh, but right now um, I'm doing the um, couples therapy situation, and that's great. Uh, yeah. So when did you start therapy? Did you start therapy when you were 16, and you know when your brothers went to prison, or did that, or did therapy come later down the line for you? Oh uh, yeah, therapy came way. So yeah, <laughs> speaking of relationships, uh, so I, I was uh, I was married before, mm-hmm. uh, from age twenty one to, uh, well no 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 I was with her from age twenty one to thirty, and uh, we were married for two and a half of those years. But I actually started therapy uh, uh, as a uh, really it was a trick. To not lose her, <laughs> it, was, it was it was like maybe I'll do anything. I'll go to therapy. And she was like, okay. I was like, oh, oh, you really want to go? Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. So we going? <laughs> oh, like you really you, like for real? You want to see my actions? Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, so so actually, therapy came uh, as a result of me uh, trying to salvage a. Uh, I, I, really, it was already a, an already dead relationship. It was already a burnt house. You can't, you know, like if a house burnt, like just go ahead and tear it down. Like don't, don't try to remodel it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's where it began. And 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 with that therapist, 
His name was Mr. Charlie. He was like, hmm, both y'all got a lot of heavy stuff going on. How about we do, for the first few months, I'm going to do a I'm, I'm going to do 30 minutes with you by yourself and then 30 minutes with you by yourself. And then eventually we'll bring y'all back in together. And from there, it was like, whoa. Like, like doing that one-on-one therapy with him, he unpacks, like, so much so much stuff for me. I'm like, yo, I didn't realize I was messed up. I thought I was good. You know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was then, you know, uh, I saw the value in just kind of going one, going to therapy by myself. Uh, but yeah, but it, it was triggered from a, a relationship, uh, you know, but I've gone a lot of times since then, you know, for myself, you know, I've done, you know, anger management, I've done, uh, you know, uh, I've done a lot of, a lot of sessions. I've, I've probably worked with, I've probably been in a relationship with four different therapists, you know, uh, who I worked with for you know, quite some time. Uh, you know, and now I'm back, you know, where I started. And a couple's there, you know. Uh, but this time, not to salvage the relationship, just to, to make sure we good going in and going through. You know, uh, I'm at a point in my life where I look at therapy like it's the same way I look at my uh, working with my personal trainer. I, mm-hmm. I go for the, I go for the, you know, not to the, uh, I go for the preventative, not for the, you know, not because I'm trying to heal something. Like, no, I'm going because, you know, it's it's good maintenance to have. Right, right. Just like a so, car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't, don't go when the car, when the, when the, when the, uh, when the, uh, when the engine fell out. Like, go while the engine's still strong. Exactly, exactly. So you believe that it takes, do you believe that it takes two to tango? And when I, what I mean by that is, that if one person is doing the work to heal and the other is not, do you believe that the relationship will not last? Huh. Uh, that's that's a loaded question. I think is you know uh, case by case relationships. You know, uh, but yeah, I do. I, I do think um, you know rather it'll last than I, I can't say that with confidence. But uh, I do agree with the concept that it does take. To, to tango, uh, whatever that looks like, you know, and it may not look like uh, we're both fighting as hard, right? right? Uh, or both tango in is tango in is hard, but but we do have to. Uh, both people in the relationship do have to, at some level, be tango in, you know, uh, you know, like and 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 the relationship I'm in now, like I love this woman, like oh my god. You know, uh, but, but, but but at some point, I I had, you know, uh, I just had uh, more fight. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I, we talked about this. Like, if I had, and if in those cases, I if I hadn't had more fight, we wouldn't be together. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and and now she's learning how to fight even more as well. You know, because mm-hmm. we because we've uh, because I've been in, in full blown relationships. Like I've you know I've lived with you know I've get I've been married before. I've you know so I've done all these heavy things that relationships require, and this is kind of <laughs> like a, her first like thriller, right? So so every everybody in, in relationships, I believe, just have again we're all individual humans before we become a couple. Become before yeah. we become 
in any way obligated to each other, you know, in these relationships. We're individuals, and we come with our own set of skills that that already exist as it relates to communication, as it, as it relates to listening, as it relates to, uh, uh, you know, being, you know, all the things that, that, that it requires to be to be in a relationship, all those things, right? Uh, so I think, you know, as long as we identify, you know, uh, I think as long as, as long as we're willing to listen, because that's what it's about, you know. That's what it's about in these relationships. Are we willing? Are we willing to listen? Listen mm-hmm. to what's being said verbally, and listening to what's not being said verbally. You know, because mm-hmm. so, that's a part of the fighting too. So, are we both doing that? You know. So, and and, and that's you know, and that's the thing too. You know, a lot of relationships don't last because we don't have the skills to listen and to hear. Uh, and, and and vice versa, you know, uh, on both sides, um, and and that's the, I believe one of the biggest struggles in relationships uh, because we all want to be heard, and when yeah. we don't feel heard or seen, that's when we find ourselves disappearing slowly from the relationships that we're in. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I was speaking with um, Dr. Curtis, and. He was talking about how, and it kind of it kind of stung. I'm not even gonna lie. You know, just being a woman, I'm like, damn, why do you have to say that? You know, because he was basically saying how there's some women that do not allow men to unpack. You know, to be vulnerable, to express their emotions, and I just feel as though society has placed this kind of. You know, men aren't supposed to show their emotions. They're supposed to be the providers. They they can't, you know, cry. They can't go through any of this. But then when you see a woman or a little girl, it's like, oh, baby, what's wrong? You know what I'm saying? Let it out. It's okay. Um, the example was if a little girl falls on her bike and she starts crying, everybody runs to her. You know, everybody consoles her, makes sure she's okay. But if a little boy falls on his bike, it's like, a, oh, get up. You all right? You know what I'm saying? Toughen up type of thing. So do you think it's true that men have a hard time showing their emotions, or do you believe it's just buried because society doesn't allow them to express it? Um. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all of that. <laughs> you know, uh, like, you know, so, if, you know, the people who are part of my community, they know how passionate I am about that bias, about that double standard, uh, and it hurts me, and it really it upsets me, you know. So this is a topic I'm very passionate about, you know. Uh, so yeah, men do bury their emotions because um, society has programmed us to not out loud express them mm-hmm. because we express them. By the way, we just don't express them in the same way that women or girls express theirs. Again, we express ours in a very uh, aggressive way. We we express ours in a very uh, uh, quiet way, too. Like, me and my best friend, we were talking about how we shut down. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's me, too, right? And, you know, meaning, like, we'll be mad and we just won't talk. We won't say nothing. And and, and we talk about how, you know, how that, that right there makes our partners even more mad. 
Yeah. Or, 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 or not even mad, but it, it hurts them because it's yeah. like, man, I walk around the house and I ain't saying nothing to my girl in 48 hours except <laughs> except one word answer. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, no emotion. And, like, and that hurts, you know. But society, society has taught us, it's, you know, the opposite is, is weak. You know, like, you can't be expressing yourself. You can't be saying, well, I'm really hurt. I'm really frustrated because this, you know. It, it, uh, but fortunately, I'm at a level where I do, ha- I, I have the language now. A lot of men don't have the language to say, right. yo, I'm disappointed because this. I'm hurt because of this. I'm embarrassed because you did this. Um, mm-hmm. And this is how I feel and and are clearly able to articulate it. You know, um, you know, I started writing uh, an article recently, uh, and it was called, uh, it, it is called, uh, who protects black men? Mm. So, and because I was I was watching something, I was so mad about it. You know, uh, you know, and I don't know the particulars about this case, but it, but I went down a rabbit hole. What I thought of when I saw this case, I was watching Mike on Hulu, the story of Mike Tyson. That mm-hmm. he, that by the way, that he has said that he had nothing to do with the producing of. You know, uh, a group of white men wrote his story based on research and and all the things that they. You know, think they found out through reading and watching interviews over the years, and they put out a film about him, uh, a series, a limited series on Hulu. Uh, but it got to a part uh, where it talked about him raping a woman, mm-hmm. and and I was on the couch with my girl, and she was just like, "Ugh, men need to do better and all this." Uh, but in the same film, uh, the character Mike was denied that he and he did it. He didn't do it. I didn't do it. But automatically she agreed with the woman's perspective on it that I was great. And I said, but what about his side? Because he said mm-hmm. he did And she's like, well, why would a woman lie about that? I said, well, shit, go get online right now and look at all the stories of women who did. Look at all the stories of men who have been exonerated after serving decades in prison for women who did lie. So why is it that men, boys, don't deserve the benefit of the doubt? Why? Why? Why not? You know? And so I went down this rabbit hole of like, man, why don't, who protects black men? So so I started thinking about like, uh, you know, uh, other situations like uh, I was I was at my art gallery. I own an art gallery in Little Rock, Arkansas, called the House of Art. And, and one night we were having like a, a round table discussion, like you know during the open mic, and uh, and, and somehow a man mentioned very uh, uh, Ron Mack. He's a poet, a friend of mine. He he mentioned uh, being touched by a woman when he was a kid, and mm-hmm. and after he finished. His poem, people, somebody, a young lady asked about it. It's like, did you say this? And uh, and it was very like, not like asked about in a sensitive way. It was kind of like, like, you said you got that? You know. Uh, and then three other men also shared about their stories of being, uh, you know, their dealings with sexual inappropriateness. And I was one of the men who shared my story that night. And and and, and it wasn't. And the women in the room. You know, it's probably like six women in the room, and none of them were kind of like, "Ew, that's disgusting." What? I can't believe y'all experienced that. 
it was kind of like, oh, for real, that, that's crazy, you know. And one of my stories was I was I remember being like ten or eleven years old, and a friend of mine, his mother used to ask me to take it out, take my penis out, and she was, you know, looking at me, oh man, look at that thing, boy, that that thing, it looked like a grown man, like stuff like that. I remember that as a kid, and I and I remember vividly, nobody was grossed out by that, nobody was like, nobody got like, like serious about that. But if the story was opposite. If a little, if a girl, my a woman my age, thirty three years old, said, "And when I was ten years old, my home, my homeboy, uh, my homeboy mama, my friend mama used to uh, pull my pants out and 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 rub on my on my vagina." Immediately, people would 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 feel so uncomfortable. They would feel they were like, "Man, who the fuck was that? Who did that?" Like, it it would make you feel away. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why, you know. So when I so and so the difference in the emotion needs to be explained and discussed. Like why aren't you, why aren't you, you know, emotionally moved when you hear about the stories of black men being molested, mm-hmm. being being accused? So who protects black boys and men? You right. know, and, and, you know so. So yeah, so so it's the same thing. So being that we haven't been protected for so long, know that we don't feel comfortable sharing our emotions with you mm-hmm. because somebody who looked like you or who looked like you ain't protected us. Even black men haven't protected us as boys, and that and that. So we're just not protected. So so my question is, who protects black boys and men? Mm-hmm. And often I often I I come back to the answer of, you know, nobody. You know, for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy because you know I've, of course I think about it, but I don't think it think about it in that sense. You know, um, it's kind of something that comes to my mind and kind of goes away. You know, and I'm a person that this is why I created this platform. You know, this is why I have um, these types of projects, not just for women but for men as well, because at the end of the day, I feel like things like this, stories like yours and other men need to be told because I I fear that we hear about it, you know. We hear about it, but it goes in one ear and out the other. No one's really saying, nah, damn, this is actually a problem. You know, we, this actually needs to be fixed. So when it comes to um, the language that um, you discover, you know, being able to say, oh, this embarrassed me or this made me sad or this, you know, made me angry, you discovered that language when you were in therapy or through another um, through another source? Um, well, for me, you know, I think it, I, I learned the language, you know, from a lot of spaces. Uh, you know, uh, I think, yes, I learned some from therapy. Uh, and by the way, you know, is um, Scorpios. You know, we got this. We got this thing about us. You know, all my Scorpio friends. Oh Lord. <laughs> we always joke about it. You know, we're the best. You know, uh, we joke about uh, how we can read something one time and and we we walk around and feel like we know it. You know, so so you know, and it's the same thing with me. Like I, I will hear or learn something in therapy. And I literally apply it to my life. Like I'd be knowing it. Like I'd be around telling everybody. You do know 
that you feel this way? That's like that's what you're dealing with. You know, I mean, I had diagnosed the folks, not for real, it's a joke. Uh, you know, but I, you know I you're broken, of, right? Yeah, you know you messed up, right? No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I, I would never do that. All right? But uh, but you know, I learned I learned a lot of my language from therapy. Um, but also just being around people who are emotionally literate, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, Dr. Kurt, Dr. Curtis Jasper, he's again, really, really good friend of mine. We talk very often, um, you know, um, you know, and, and we're in circles together, you know, uh, uh with my event called the fellas mixer where we meet monthly. Um, so I get a lot of language from all the other dope black men who are in, who are part of my circle, uh, because again, a lot of us you know, have a lot of uh, great emotional literacy. So we mm-hmm. are talking about these things. Um, um, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, like, I, I adopt a lot from my friends, um, you know, who are smarter than me. You know, uh, and I, I've done quite a bit of reading to learn the language because I, I, I realized at some point I had a limited emotional literacy myself. And I just mm-hmm. – and I, and I – I personally wanted to intentionally learn. I wanted to intentionally learn uh, more of the language, so I could understand it when I experienced it. You know, in my relationship, you know, with my partner, with my friends, you know, and, and with others who I'm communicating with. You know, uh, but also I learned so much uh, when I became uh, certified in mental health first aid, uh, and that's where I really got. You know. You know, uh, you know, books on top of books on top of books of the language. Uh, you know that that I now use. You know, uh, in this world that I operate in as it relates to mental health. Uh, but so when I did the training for mental health first aid, uh, they just provided me with so much, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for it. You know, so uh, so yeah. You know, and, and and now I have the book that's full of you know emotional. Uh, a mental health language. And speaking of books, you know, uh, you have your own book, Get Off the Couch. Um, tell us a little bit about that book and what inspired you to write it. Yeah. Um, so uh, so the concept of the book is Get Off the Couch. Uh, the book is called Get Up, Get Out, and Get Some Healing. Uh, people can check out the book on getoffthecouch.live, L-I-V-E, getoffthecouch.live. Um, so the, the title of the book is inspired by, uh, uh, Outcast's song, Get Up, Get Out. And, uh, but in the song it said, get up, get out and get something. Don't let the days of your life pass by. You got to get up, get out and get something. Don't spend all your days trying to get high. You got to get up, get out and get something. How will you make it if you never even try? You know, so. When I heard so, and that was CeeLo's verse on the song. Mm-hmm. So, so when I heard that, I was like, "Yo, like, dude, spinning these bars." So when I thought about, it, I was like, "Yo, he's talking about somebody who's depressed, who doesn't believe in themselves, who's sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing with your life." Right? I the, that was the Rye University guy. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and like you sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing with your life, you might as well come down here. You know, and uh, you know, so. I heard that, I was like, yo, that would be a dope concept to a book, uh, a dope concept to a book about healing. So instead of saying get up, get up, get up, get out, and get something, I decided to write a book called Get Up, Get Out, and Get Some Healing, right, um, i.e. the name of my book. So, 
I, I wrote the book because I realized that most people who are past the age of 15 years old got something to heal from, mm-hmm. you know, rather than a result of our primary trauma or a result of that secondary trauma, you know, like living in this world, period, you are you are seeing somebody else's trauma at the very least. You know, like you may have a great home, mm-hmm. but somebody else's trauma ain't far from you. Right. And if you experience that enough, it affects you. You know, like, again, I cried because I, I, kept, I could not keep seeing George Floyd die the way that he did. Mm-hmm. I kept seeing it. It kept being reshared. That's secondary trouble. That affected me. Like, I remember I remember exactly where I was when I just cried out of nowhere. Like, oh, shoot, like, what the hell going on? And I remember just <laughs> feeling that secondary trauma, you know. So so I, what I realized is that, again, a lot of people are limited with their emotional literacy. A mm-hmm. lot of people are stuck. A lot of people desire to heal but don't know how, don't know where mm-hmm. people available, don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to write a book that talked about mental health and mental illness and the healing process in a way that was practical and in a way where the information was presented in a way that that is digestible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I felt like that, that, that didn't exist, and it doesn't. So I decided to write a book where that is. You know, uh, that's what, you know, so, yeah, you know, uh, I wanted people to have a tool uh, to begin and get through that healing process. And, uh, and that's what my book is. That's what it's about. Uh, that's why I wrote it. Uh, because I, I realized, you know, at, at some point I was drowning. And I didn't have, you know, I, I didn't believe that I had everything to to, to pull myself from drowning. You know, mm-hmm. again, I, wanna, I want this book to serve as uh, a tool to help somebody from drowning. And what have been some of the benefits um, for you when it comes to healing and therapy and all of the other processes that you have been through? What have been some of the benefits in your life? Uh, I can see better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, when you haven't done the work to heal, it's like your vision is blurred. It's mm-hmm. like It's like driving down a completely dark road, no street lights, and it's raining super heavy. You can't see nothing as it actually is. That's what it's like when you're not healed. You can't see clearly, right? Nor can you operate as who you're supposed to be for real. Um, as a result of my healing and, and going through these processes, um, I could see that. You know, I, I could really see people who for who they are and for what they need, mm-hmm. you know. And, and a lot of times when you're in that space, when you haven't healed, you just you receive things in ways that, that they're not actually even presented. Like that, that's not what what's meant. Like, you know, when you're not healed, it's like you experience things and then you walk away with it like this. And you're like, well, this is my truth. I know you meant to hurt me. Right. Never being able to forgive certain things, or to have grace towards certain things, or to be merciful towards, uh, or to be merciful towards certain things. 
but where but as a result of doing the work to heal, I'm able to experience so much in, in life and be grateful towards it mm-hmm. and be merciful towards it because I'm able to see it clearly for what it is. I understand it. You know, I'm not walking around. At once upon a time, I was mad at my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, again, they were 18 and 19 when they got sentenced to 25 and 40 years in prison. For years, I would say they left me. That was my language. Mm-hmm. My brothers left me. Is that yeah. they got up and said, hey, bro, I'm going to prison for 25 years, 40 years, I'll holler at you later. Yeah. I, that was my language, you know, and I and I felt that I was hurt. I was upset with them to the point where I, like, I probably would write them one letter a year. I probably mm-hmm. I probably saw, I remember it was probably like five years had passed by, and I probably had only gone to visit them twice, like, because I, I was hurt, you know. But therapy and going through my healing process made me able to see it for what it really was. It wasn't their fault. They would just hurt little boys, literally little boys. They were children. Mm-hmm. And poverty caught up with them. Poverty, as a result of the poverty that we all lived in, they made different choices because they didn't want to live in poverty. You know, so they committed the crimes that they did. They they were easily influenced to do those things that they did because of the poverty, because of that trauma, because of that illness. Because that's the illness. Poverty is an illness. Yeah, you know, and that's what that's what took them from me. Not they didn't leave me. Mm-hmm. The poverty, the illness took them from me. And a lot of us don't realize that a lot of people around us are ill, mm-hmm. they're sick, they are hurting. And if you haven't done the work to heal, you can't identify other people who are hurting as well. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of work to heal. So now I see people that are hurting. I can see it. And now I'm able to be in relationship with them in a way that is healthy. You know, I'm not, you know, judging them and ridding myself of them immediately because I know you meant, I, I know you meant to disrespect me. I know you meant to say it like that. Like, nah, they just haven't done the work that I've done, and they deserve some grace. Right, right. You know? So that's what. So, so as a result of my healing, that's where I am. That's beautiful, you know. Um, I and this and this is why I'm so happy that you agreed uh, to interview because I feel like there's a lot more black men that need to hear this, you know, that need to understand that we all know that everyone is going through something, you know, everyone has something that they need to heal from, that they need to just unpack, you know, so. My question to you is, why do you believe it is important for black men to either seek therapy or to just heal and unpack their emotions that they're holding on to internally? Yeah, that, that's that's a good question. Let me explain uh, unpacking, uh, and then I may explain comprehensive men. Um, so a lot of people, so people hear unpacking a lot. You know, we have all these uh, these cute words that we use, and, <laughs> you know. But you know, a little like, fancy. Yeah, like these fancy words. Like, what does that mean? You know, like I even my I got twelve year old twin daughters, and they be like, they be I be hearing them talking about some guys like me. I'm like, yo, you twelve? Like, 
gaslighting. What are y'all talking about? You know, like you know, like people thought I got all these these trigger words. I'm like, just chill, relax. Like, right. anyway, everybody everybody's smart now. Everybody a therapist, but you know, <laughs> but like, yeah. So so let let me break down unpacking. Right, mm-hmm. I want you to think about unpacking like this. Um, if you're in a relationship, right, mm-hmm. and you and you and your partner, y'all been arguing like. For like a year, like it's, it's like y'all just off, like stuff just like y'all never can can be in a good place like y'all used to be, and and every day y'all get into it, you think it's because of she farted, like he farted, or 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 because she didn't wash the dishes and and he didn't take out the trash, and 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 how you forget to pay the light bill, and you think it's because of that, but that irritation, that frustration. Is the result of something way at the back of the U-Haul. So now let's explain the unpacking. So the issue is behind all that stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So 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 you think it's because of the he didn't clean the bathroom, she didn't wash the dishes. Well, really, what needs to happen is we actually need to unpack. We need to remove all that stuff out of the U-Haul. You got to move all the couches. You got to move all the bags of clothes. You got to move all the uh, the TVs. You got to move all that stuff out of the way. And what we'll find once we unpack is that the issue was this little thing way in the back that became a big thing to get to get to because we had put all this other stuff in front mm-hmm. of it before we resolve that thing that was way at the back. So being that we usually don't have the skills to heal and to communicate things properly and effectively, we just pile all this other stuff on top of it. Or or, or we cover up the issue with sex, you mm-hmm. know, or, you know what, let's just go out. We ain't got to talk about it. What's, what's understood is explained, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as it relates to relationships. As individuals, we experience things, and we say, you know what, I don't want to deal with that uncomfortable emotion because I don't really even understand it. I don't even understand why I feel this way anyway, so let me just get high. Let me go go do this. Let me go do this to suppress it and then eventually forget it. Let me go do this. Like all these things that we do, and now again, all these other things are packed in front of the real issue. So you got to unpack so you can do the work to heal from it. All right, so, so I just wanted to explain unpacking. Uh, so and then you mentioned the importance of men uh, unpacking and doing the work to heal so they can better express themselves. and be. So I'll say this. I read a book called uh, Battle Cry by Mr. Jason Wilson. And mm-hmm. he is, oh, my God, he is the godfather. You know, I love this man. You know, I, I, I found out he was doing a movie for men about his uh, mentor program for black boys in Detroit. I found out he was doing a movie premiere in New York like four days before it was happening. Uh, I'm such a fan of this man and the work he does. I booked my flight that day and flew to New York four days later just so I could shake his hand. Uh, (laughs) And that's what I did because he's doing so much work for black boys and men. But in in his book, Battle Cry, he is encouraging men. Like He's yelling at us in this book. He's like, yo, stop being one-sided men. So many men exist in one in one way, in their masculine. 
Mm-hmm. But he talks about the importance of being comprehensive men. What does it mean to be comprehensive? Comprehensive, comprehensive just means complete, well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So in order to be a comprehensive man, you cannot have the conversation of being masculine without also having the conversation of being feminine. Right, that that may, that means you may be seventy five percent masculine and you may be twenty five percent feminine, right? But but you have to understand, uh, masculine, you know, and femininity, all they are are energies. Mm-hmm. Masculine energy is the putting out. It's it's the it's the it's it's giving the order. It's the output. There's the feminine energy is the receiving energy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so me, so me taking time to listen quietly to another person giving me direction, rather it's a man or a woman. That's me. Op- that's me operating in my feminine energy. Me giving instruction. That's the output. That's masculine energy. So, I, I talked about feminine energy the other day with my personal trainer, and I said feminine energy is is, is listening. That's listening to your body. That's listening to the emotion. And following suit. That's all feminine energy is. You know, feminine energy is receiving a hug. Feminine energy is, uh, you know, it's receiving the compliment and mm-hmm. not throwing it away as soon as somebody gives it to you. I know you look good today. No, I know you look good today. Because you don't <laughs> want to just, you don't want to sit in what you just, you don't want to receive what you, what was just given to you. Right. 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 So, so, so in order to be comprehensive men, we have to we have to be okay with operating in all of what we are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and and all that means is to be human. To be human is to be all that you are humanly possible to be. Right. And we gotta be that. Again, you gotta cry. You gotta say that that it hurt. Mm-hmm. You gotta got to say that, hey, you got to use a sentence, this sentence more. This is a sentence that I use so much. I feel blank. Fill in the blank. I feel. I would challenge men to simply practice that, that, that language. I feel fill in the blank. All right? Whatever you feel. I feel disappointed. I feel, I feel angry. I feel sad. I would challenge men to identify when you feel sad, either to yourself or to somebody that you're in relationship with. I feel sad. And it is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of human, of being human, which you are. You know, um, yes, that, 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 we got to be that. We got to be that. That would save our lives. You know, um, I, you know, I talked about in my workshop, Get Off the Couch, that uh, Dr. Plutchett, uh, mm-hmm. the emotional wheel, he talked about how all the emotions exist as as um, as survival skills, almost. You know, for evolutionary survival, like fear exists for protection. Like men don't want to be scared. <laughs> They're like, hey, can't be scared. I make you look weak. Like no fear protects right. mm-hmm. like you know like all the emotions they have a function, and if you're not experiencing all those emotions, you ain't gonna survive mm-hmm. you know, 
So so it's it's literally life or death when you think about emotions. So men, I encourage you, men, if you're a man or boy listening, experience every emotion that, that, that is possible. You know, if you're jealous, think about what that emotion is. What is it meant for? Like I talk about it all the time. Jealousy is meant to either motivate or deflate. Mm-hmm. Jealous of it, that means you, you, you might even be motivated to get on that level too. Like you see somebody out here buffer than you, stronger than you, that means you need that you might be motivated to get stronger, do the work. Or it's gonna deflate you and say, oh, whatever, man, oh, you're gonna go over here and not do the work. And be a sour puss about it. You know? <laughs> so so all the emotions are meant to meant to that that all the emotions are communicating communicating something to you. What are they saying? You have to listen. Listen. Again, express your feminine energy by listening. You know, that's going to save you in your relationships, man. Listening. You know, and, and men and women both have masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. It's important yeah. for all of us to use them all. Like, mm-hmm. I, need, I need my woman to be to be masculine sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I need her to, to say, you need this. And my feminine energy needs to say, yeah, you're right, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, we, like literally, I, saw, I, I had to explain that to her the other day. You know, uh, it was a few months ago. We went and got our nails done, and I don't know nothing about getting my nails done. So she had to take charge. We went in, and she was like, uh, he'll take uh, a classic pedicure, and, and, and um, a manicure he'll take. Uh, and I, I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. That's she right. Because I didn't know. <laughs> that, so, so her masculine in that situation led the way. Right. And my feminine had to sit down in the back seat, and that's okay. You know, um, you know, uh, Chris Rock talked about talked about it in his uh, uh, comedy special, The Tambourine. The Tambourine player is the person who is in the background just shaking the tambourine while the lead singer is up there doing what they're doing. You know, there's uh, he talked about like nobody wants somebody who's back there uh, playing the tambourine like they unhappy about it. But mm-hmm. if you play that tambourine, you better play it like you're the best tambourine player in the world. Mm-hmm. What that means is sometimes you have to be background. Right, right. Not be the leader. Like, yeah, I got a great career. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a full-time artist making six figures and, and doing all the things. You know, but my but my lady a doctor. At some point, my career may not be all the way up there. You know, so I have to be okay with at some point taking a back seat and allowing her to lead you know, she may be leading the house and, and making more money, but that mm-hmm. don't. But 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 if I'm not operating in my feminine or or, or being being able to be a comprehensive man, I'm gonna allow my masculinity to lie to me and say that you ain't a man no more because she making more money than you right now. Right, right. So so we really gotta master that men being cop comprehensive men. And women, too. Again, we all got to learn what it means to be a tambourine player and be okay with being in the background and being background singers to to the lead, to our partners who are the lead, to our friends who are the lead. Because some of us got friends who just naturally lead us better than we lead them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? So, again, if we do the work to become comprehensive, we'll be better in these relationships. Right. And there's also... Um... There's also another book which I read maybe maybe a couple months ago, and it's called The Way of the Superior Man, and it's by David 
I can't remember his last name, but David somebody. And I thought that that book was so beautiful because it talks about everything that you just said when it comes to masculine energy and feminine energy, how we all have both, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's up to you to kind of know which one you need to be involved with and which one you need to just be like, okay, well, this is going to be pushed back, you know, for the time being real quick, you know, in this situation. So I think it's pretty cool that you said that because I was like, wow, I just read a book like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it kind of opened my eyes Um, because sometimes I know me being a woman, sometimes it's when I step into my masculinity, it's like, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in it for too long. You know, yeah. so, um, so if I'm dealing with a man who I guess I have to be a little bit more into my masculinity, it kind of like, it kind of puts like, I wouldn't say a bad taste in my mouth, but it's just like, oh, like, can we please switch? You know, like, yeah. I, I don't necessarily like to be in my masculinity that often. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool that you said that because, yeah, we all need to we all need to understand that we're going to be in either energy at some point. You yeah. know, we need to learn how to truly, truly balance it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's some good stuff. And, and, I, and I am familiar with the book, uh, The Way of the Superior Man. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and there's so many of those books that are out, you know, cause they, they all kind of uh, come from the same teaching, uh, which is, you know, uh, they all come from this, uh, pretty much the same teaching, like, you know, even, you know, the, the daily stoic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, but we have to be careful about those books, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, specifically men, because, like, even the daily stoic, the, the daily stoic, it really talks a lot about, you know, like, if you understand stoicism, uh, people think about stoicism as the absence of emotion. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, not showing no emotion. A stoic is somebody who, who, you know, uh, like if something happens in front of them that's dramatic, everybody else is crying or panicking, but the stoic is like sitting there calm. Right, right. So you know, so a lot of these uh, these books and these philosophers, they they get their teachings from uh, Epictetus, you know, a uh, great philosopher who teaches you know about stoicism and about the art of mastering life and being calm in the midst of a storm, you know. Uh, you know, which is great teaching, but we also have, you know, as men, we can't get lost in being stoics. We have to, uh, you know, because, again, because, again, people who don't understand stoicism will get stuck in thinking it means not to express emotion. Right, right. Because that's, because that's what it looks like. Stoicism, again, is like just being, I, I'm nonchalant. Mm-hmm. I'm a stoic. I'm just a statue. And we don't want to get too lost in that by not understanding it. So, uh, but yeah, and, and, to, and to your point, you mentioned like, I don't want to exist in my in my masculine for too long. I get it, right? And, and that's and that's the benefit of being a woman because you do feminine way more, way better than men. Men do masculine better, and, you know. And that's just how we're designed, you yeah. know. Like I personally, like, I don't like doing masculine all the time because sometimes I just want to be led. I'm like, baby, just, like we, you know, we travel a lot. I'm like, baby, just, like, cause, you know, because as the leader of our home, you know, she does want to, you know, make sure I approve of how we spend large amounts of money and so on and so forth. 
And sometimes, you like, what you think about this Airbnb? What you think about this? Like, sometimes, my baby, just, just go for it. I trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, because some, leading can be heavy. You know, mm-hmm. operating in masculine can be heavy. You know, so I get why a woman wouldn't want to operate in that shit all the time. You know, uh, <laughs> as a, you know, yeah. You know, but also the same thing, like, you know, like, because I don't want to be in my feminine so much all the time. Cause it it yeah. can, be, can be uncomfortable. It can be, I, I don't want to be in that too long. Like, uh. <laughs> like, and, and, that, and that's why men don't like listening to conversations so long all the time. Like, like yeah. I'm not right here listening to you for an hour, man. Uh, shit. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of listening. Uh, you know, like, because I'm existing in my feminine for too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's the same same reason men don't like affection so much. Like, yeah, like, uh, we can do it for a little bit, but hey, man, you want to cuddle all day and night? Uh, <laughs> uh, too much feminine for too long. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, but but I feel you is my point. You know, uh, well, yeah, you know, but but you know, but again, I'm glad you you recognize that out loud that. You don't want to be in your master for so long. That's yeah. good. Yeah. But I also, you know, like like I said, I understand that it's a balance. You know what I'm saying? We all we all need the balance. Um, so this is my last question. But what advice would you give another black man who doesn't know where to start when it comes to unpacking, when it comes to, you know, his healing process? Uh I mean simple. Admit that it hurts. Mm. You know, um, as men, difficult to do too, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, it sounds simple, but it ain't. You know, because as men, we've been programmed for so long that if you admit that it hurts, it is the opposite of masculine. It's the opposite of strong. It's the opposite of courage. Mm-hmm. Actually, to admit that it hurts is courageous within itself. That is courageous. Right? Because you're doing the opposite of what you've been told you're supposed to do. That's courageous. It doesn't make you a coward to say out loud that yo it hurt. You know? But you but but men, we have to be willing to accept that it hurts. And that's what healing is. Healing hurts, mm-hmm. healing is heavy. You know, mm-hmm. you can't begin the healing process until we admit that it hurts. And you have to open the wound back up because that's what healing is. So so when we begin our healing process it's literally admitting out loud that it hurts, but also it's going through that pain again. Because in order to heal, you got to face it again. And that's courageous. Right. To say out loud that, yo, when I was 10 or whatever, you know, uh, you know, somebody took advantage of me sexually, you know, and and that's what happened. And I, and I didn't like it. It hurt. That that's a hard thing to do, man. But you can't be in healing unless you readdress that thing, like or address that thing for the first time. Like, yo, that that happened, and I wasn't okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can now. I'm courageous enough to say, like some men would hear me say that, yo, uh, I was sexually molested by a woman when I was ten or eleven years old, and I didn't like it. I don't think it was right. It was uncomfortable. I'm not weak, very strong, 
I'm very powerful and I'm very confident in, in where I stand as a man, period. But that happened and it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. It affected me in this way, you know. You know, and I learned that through therapy. You know, I learned why I was so sexually hyper at, at an early age. Mm-hmm. I was exposed to sexual behavior at a time when my brain was still forming. Yep. Brain formed those type of behaviors as norm, as normal, and I became hyperly sexual. Mm-hmm. So I always, I was always, and I didn't know why. I thought it was okay. I thought I was just like, no, it wasn't okay. Right? It wasn't okay that I was just, that I was, you know, it, it just wasn't okay all the things that were happening. You know, but mm-hmm. it was, it's a root to everything. It's a GPS to how we all became who we are and where we are in our lives. So men, I encourage you to say it out loud that it hurt. Like, if 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 you, like, I remember uh, losing the woman that I thought I was supposed to be with for the rest of my life. I've been with eight and a half years. And that shit hurt. You know, and if another man is telling you, like, bro, you, hey, it's you, man. Let's go get – there's some chicks over here at Club Zero. Let's go pull up on them. Like, that ain't what you need to hear. You need to hear, and I'm telling you right now, it's okay to be hurt in that. Mm-hmm. Because you are hurting because you love her. You are you were emotionally attached. So admit out loud that it hurts and that you need to heal from something, all right? And, and and then lastly, I'll say this. A lot of times we exist in our hurt for so long because we desire so badly to understand the thing that hurt us. Mm-hmm. We want to we overly intellectualize the experience. Right. I want to understand why my mama died. I want to mm-hmm. understand why that man did this to me. I want to understand why this didn't work out. I want to understand why the job, you know, let me go. Like, why ain't good enough, right? So so, so we, we a lot of times we, we last so long in that hurt or, or whatever because we desire to understand it. But, mm-hmm. but a lot of these things, it is not for us to understand. It happens. So, that, you know, and, 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 that, and that's where that therapy comes in at, because mm-hmm. now thinking <laughs> is affected, and now we need some help working through that thing and having a different perspective towards it. Because a lot of times we experience these things and our perspectives become very negative towards mm-hmm. the experience, and we become stuck in that. And we need that therapy to work us out of that, that mm-hmm. thinking towards that thing. So, again, admit that it hurts. And 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 do the work, you know. So so that's what I that's what I would give to the men. And, and really, I, you know, as I you know, listening to myself right now, I think that I would say that wasn't just for the men either; it's for the women too, for everybody. <laughs> uh, but you know, but hey, but men, let's do the work, man. That's the only way we can become like true leaders. Because you know, regardless of what the world is telling you, men, the women need us to lead them. Mm-hmm. Women are saying out loud. They need us to lead them. We are the leaders. And right. in order for us to lead them effectively, men, we got to do the work to heal. Because like Jackson just said, she don't want to be in her masculine all the time. Sure don't. <laughs> you know, but some women have, have 
have had to perform in that masculine so long that it's hard for them to get out of it. Yeah. So men, we have to be so amazing in our masculine and our feminine that women feel safe enough to completely get out of that masculine when they need to. Exactly. They won't feel that, brothers, until we do the work to heal. Let's do the work. Amazing, amazing, amazing interview. Thank you so much again, Chris, for coming up here and sharing your story and getting these black men to understand that healing is important. You know, um, you're not you're, you're not sensitive or weak or whatever the case may be, what other adjective you want to use to describe yourself. You're not that, you know, you're just another human being just like the next wanting to heal so again thank you so much and i appreciate you and y'all make sure that you go out and get his book you know get up get out get some healing and y'all that's it y'all continue to exceed while black peace and love i'm out